confidence because I was. Praise God. Isn't God good? It's Sunday morning. I think we ought to have church since we made all the effort to come out here. It's good to have each and every one with us today, especially our first-time guest, Jeff, I just got to meet, and I'm so happy that he's here. Of course, we just baptized Vera and Jeffrey in the name of Jesus. That was exciting. Hallelujah. Am I getting a little ring, or is it just me ringing? No. Nope. ain't me. Hallelujah. And uh, it's good to have Liza this morning also. She's here. And it's good to see my uh, good friend from Belfast here, Sister Sharon. She belongs to this church. It's the Belfast branch. Hallelujah. And we're going to see that take off. We know God knows what he's doing. He has his own timetable, not ours. But God's working, and he's doing a great thing among us. Praise God. And uh, I'm just delighted to see every one of you, and you're probably delighted for me not to call your name. So I'm just going to uh, start preaching right now, if that's okay. Uh, before I do, though, I want to say that this coming Sunday, uh, we're planning on beginning uh, having... Sunday school again uh, this coming Sunday so uh, there will be special instructions parents that that uh, brother Eric's going to share with us I don't know if he wants to do that right now or if he does we'll let him So since he didn't have a microphone, most of you probably didn't hear him. So I will repeat what he said. I'll be his translator. Uh, what he said was there will be a meeting with all the Sunday school parents and teachers. teachers, excuse me, Sunday school teachers. See, I didn't even hear him. <laughs> be a meeting with Sunday school teachers up in the balcony right after service today. Please don't forget that. And they're going to, he's going to be sharing with you uh, the things that we'll be doing. We're taking special precautions and doing everything the very best, safest way that can, can be done. And so uh, we'll be talking to you. He'll be talking to you about it. He and I have already discussed it. And uh, this coming Sunday, we'll start out with a children's church. And that's going to be great. And then we're going to move from there. So it's exciting. I, I hope that our Sunday school teachers have gotten a lot of rest in the last several months. And I hope you're ready... To go and fired up and excited about children and that uh, you'll want to serve the Lord. Praise God. Also tonight there will be a service here in the sanctuary. We'll start at 6 with prayer, 6.30 with our Sunday evening celebration. We already have two people, two of uh, my uh, home Bible studies are going to be baptized tonight in the name of Jesus at the conclusion of the service. So that's going to be exciting, and we are just moving ahead. Folks, 
I know we've been out of service quite a bit because of the situation, but don't forget your missions, building fund, that kind of thing. You've been so precious to remember the work of God, but I believe that the best is yet to come. I had a preacher call me yesterday and tell me that the Lord spoke to him and said that this building is not going to hold this church. I don't know why it is, but every time you, uh, God's ready to bless you and take you to another level, there will be some kind of a challenge that will try to stymie you and hinder your faith and cause you to get scared. But we're not scared. We're believing God. God is with us, and I'm glad to have you aboard today. I'm going to the book of John, chapter 18, verse 37. John chapter 18, verse 37. And if you will just look like you're listening, I preach fast. If I see you checking your watch and heaven help you, if I hear you see you doing this, that means you're really insulting me. I tend to preach a long time when I see that. Hallelujah. Oh, it's so good to have Jamie with us today. And she brought a little pretty girl with her. Her name is Sophie. And she's very shy, but she's very pretty. We're so happy to have you, Sophie and Jamie. And uh, this, uh, Jamie is Brother Jesse's niece. And so we're very happy that he brought them with him today. Praise God. Shed my jacket. Hallelujah. Bibles, please. John chapter 18, verse 37. Have you got your Bible? Hallelujah. All right, good. Here we go. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. And just for a few moments, I want to preach on this subject, born to serve the Lord. Born to serve the Lord. Would you lift your voices and your hands with me and could we praise the Lord? I love you, Jesus. I lift up your name and exalt you, God. You are worthy. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Have your way, Lord God. Have your way, Lord God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Just a moment. Just give me another moment just to zero in on the Lord. I want to be sure that what I bring you is exactly what the Lord wants me to bring. So would you, could we just praise him for another moment? Lord, I love you, Jesus. Now, sir, I ask you that you would hide me. Hide me in your shadow. Hide me, O oh Lord God, and let the Lord be seen. Sir, we would see Jesus. 
And I pray, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, your will be done. Help us, O oh Lord. Wash us now. Touch every ear. Touch every heart. Touch my lips of clay. Help us, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. You may be seated. Our Lord Jesus Christ never once forgot who he was. He came to earth with a mission. He never forgot his purpose. He never forgot his goal. There was purpose in every step that the master took. Though he would only live 33 years on this earth, yet every step was planned and every day he was remembering his mission. He ran straight toward the goal. He did not come to earth just to shadow box or to fool around. There were no wasted moments. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus exemplified, exampled to us a purposeful life. When Jesus was 12, Remember, he accompanied his parents to Jerusalem for the annual Passover festival, which they attended every year. It was after, remember, the celebration. They started home to the city of Nazareth. But unbeknownst to them, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't even notice it for the first day. They assumed he was with his friends. There were so many people traveling. And they assumed he was with other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, parents, do you know where your children are? <laughs> That's another message. When he didn't show up that evening, they became so concerned. And they started frantically looking for him among their relatives and among their friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Ladies and gentlemen, unless you're a parent, you may not fully appreciate this, but these parents spent three days searching for their 12-year-old boy. Can you imagine the stress? Can you imagine the panic that filled their hearts? Jerusalem was filled with pilgrims, thousands of extra people, and they couldn't find their boy. They looked for three days, and for at least two nights, they went to bed holding each other, saying, my God, we've lost our child. But finally, after three days, they discovered him. Guess where he was? He was in the temple, sitting among the teachers of law, discussing deep questions with them and, and amazing everyone with his understanding and answers. Makes me wonder, where did he sleep those two nights? His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother shouted, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. We've been searching for you everywhere. 
And that's when Jesus spoke clearly. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist you not that I must be about my father's business? My God, even at the age of 12, Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. The Bible records one day that Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. And the Bible said these words, which, which really doesn't make a lot of sense in modern English. But in the old English, he said, he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. So I think we get the picture. The Bible was saying that he felt a tremendous need to go through Samaria. Now, remember, in those days, it was common for the Jews to do a circuitous route to avoid Samaritan. Samaria. But Jesus, the Bible said, must needs go through Samaria. Why? I believe it was because uh, there was a certain woman who would be coming to the well at a particular time and he wanted to speak the words of life to this woman that everybody else was shunning, that was so ashamed and so embarrassed that she would come after all the other ladies had drawn water. She would come later in the morning by herself and draw water. But the Bible says that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Jesus was very much aware that he didn't have all the time in the world to get the job done that needed to get done. He said, I've got to work the works of God. The night cometh when no man can work. Folks, there's coming a time when you won't be able to come and sit down in church like you are today. There's coming a time when you won't have the freedoms that you have today if the Lord delays his coming. We must take advantage of this opportunity and work like crazy because Jesus is coming and there's souls to be saved. He was born in an obscure village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He then became an itinerant preacher. He never held an office. He never knew what it was to have a family or own his own house. He never went to college. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. He was turned over to his enemies. He was deserted by his friends. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing the only property he had on earth. They placed him in a borrowed grave. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today 
He is still the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of men on this earth as much as that one solitary life. May I say it this way, that one purposeful life. Oh God, don't let me waste the time that I have allotted to me on this earth. Don't let me chase after this and chase after that and do this and do that and never accomplish the mission that God has for me. And ladies and gentlemen, every one of us who are called by the name of Jesus have a mission. We have a responsibility. We have a job. And the night's coming when no man can work. Oh God, don't let me leave behind an unfinished task. Compare Jesus' purposeful life with Lot. Lot, who was so distracted with business that he waited until Sodom's last night to preach to his kids He wasn't doing bad things. He wasn't involved in sinful things. He was a, a just man, a, a righteous man. But he was just a distracted man. And before he knew it, the allotted time he had to reach his kids had come to an end. And he didn't know it until an angel was standing in his house saying, Do you have any here besides? If you do, go get them. We're here to destroy this city. Compare the purposeful planned mission of Jesus to a good man by the name of Lot who waited until it was absolutely too late to do his life mission. And you and I know that he failed in his mission because his kids thought he was joking. Are you kidding me, they said? We've never talked about this before. Why would you choose a, a late hour of the night when the kids are all in bed to come and... Be, because there's angels at my house. Right, angels at your house. Will you sleep it off? We'll talk about this tomorrow. We might have to hire a shrink and lot bedraggled and worn out his clothes all must. His hair uncombed. His hands hanging down by his side. Walks back to the house where his wife and two single daughters are and feels the hand of an angel grab him by the arm and jerk him. And he's taken out of the city. But Lot, you had a mission. You had a job to do. You didn't know that the time allotted was... I am preaching to somebody in this building today that your allotted time is about over. 
The time for you to do the mission that God has called you to do is almost over. I don't know if it's by way of rapture or by way of death, but your time to complete the mission is rapidly coming to a close. Oh my God, in the name of Jesus, will somebody wake up to the mission that God has for you? Compare Jesus' purposeful life with the rich man of Luke 16 who waited until he was already in hell. He's already in hell and he asked somebody to go back and witness to his five brothers. While he was on earth, he never witnessed. There's no record that he ever witnessed to them once. He never told them one time while he was on earth. But after he was in hell, he says, oh my God, this is really bad. I'm in pain. I'm in torment. But somebody please go back and tell my five brothers not to come here. What happened? I'll tell you, Mr. Rich Man, you were so distracted with stuff that will not matter that you allowed your five brothers to go without a witness. This life, how many times have you heard me say, is merely a dressing room for eternity. And people need the Lord and they need him now. They need to be saved. This is not just a better lifestyle, and you know it is a better lifestyle. This is not just a better way to live, and you know it is a better way to live. We're talking about Heaven is real and hell is real and they're about to step into one or the other and you have got the job. You've been assigned the mission to tell them you can't make their decision for them. You can't make them say yes to Christ. You can't make them say I will be a Christian. But you can share your faith and leave it up to them. They ought at least get a chance to hear what you know. I know it's not popular anymore and you don't hear anybody talking about it, but hell is real. Don't let anybody tell you that hell is when you don't have what you want. There is a burning place called hell where souls of men are in torture right now. There is a place called heaven where the souls of those who are ready are in the presence of the Lord enjoying being in paradise. And I have to say to somebody, you were born to serve the Lord. Somebody else might have been born to do this or to do that. But I know that I'm preaching to people and to an individual that God said, you were born to serve the Lord. Our mission is to make heaven our eternal home and to help as many as we can to make it safely there. You see, God has a higher purpose for your life. 
Oh my God, don't be one of these people that suddenly you're confronted with death and you say, oh, the most important things in life, I didn't get done. I can't take this with me. I can't take that with me. I can't take this and I can't take that. The only thing I can take with me are the souls of the people that I helped to, to know Jesus and, and those I can take with me. You remember, don't you, Henry Ford's mansion in Dearborn, Michigan is still standing today. The name of that mansion is the name of a car that once was made by Ford. The name of that car was Fairlane. How many remember a Fairlane Ford? Boy, you guys are getting old. <laughs> Fairlane Ford and Mr. Ford's mansion in Dearborn, Michigan is named Fairlane. For its location, he chose the, the beauty of a gentle slope overlooking the meandering River Rouge. Fifty-five rooms spread over three floors for a total of 31,000 square feet. You builders, is that a big house? 31,000 square feet. Eight fireplaces, one of marble, 13 feet high, stood ready to warm the inhabitants. Now, they had 550 switches providing light. The impression throughout is still that of magnificent design, exquisite taste, and perfect workmanship. Listen, you might remember this. The house's cost, you don't remember that. In 1917, long before the shrinking dollar, was $1,057,000 in 1917. Now, $100 in 1917 had the same power as $2,081.31 in 2018. So in 2018 dollars, Henry Ford's mansion, to build that same mansion today, would cost over almost $21 million. Now listen. Henry Ford's ingenuity even reached the power supply. He was determined to be independent of public utilities, and so he built his own power plant at a cost of $200,000 in 1917, which would be $4.1 million today. Using finely machined turbines to feed electricity to the entire estate with enough to sell to the public utilities in an emergency. But listen to this. This is what grabs me. However, when torrential rains lashed Detroit in April 1947, the River Rouge went on a rampage, and soon it crept into the furnace under the boilers and smothered the fire, causing the steam pressure to fall. The turbine stopped. Electricity failed for the only time in 40 years. Paradoxically, 
That was the night that Henry Ford lay dying in his bedroom. The night when the turbines failed and the electricity went off, Henry Ford was laying in his bedroom dying, surrounded by an engineering marvel. He left the world as he had entered it 87 years earlier in a cold house lighted by candles. I know the devil doesn't want you to hear what I'm saying today and he wants to distract you. Just watch me. Mr. Ford, although he had incredible wealth for his day and built the most incredible mansion and had the most incredible power supply, when he died, he died in a house that was being lit by candles and didn't have any of the things that he had created. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. Paul said, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Hear me today. Job, the patriarch, said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hear me, naked without possessions. I came into this world from my mother's womb and naked without possessions shall I depart. And yet, hear me today, there are still people who are scrambling to do this and to do that. And I'm not against you being industrious. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to be a hard worker. But what I'm saying to you is that once in every lifetime, God gives us an opportunity to be part of something that will have eternal consequences, that will last beyond the grave, to be a part of something that will last beyond the grave, that will impact the souls of men and women forever and ever and ever. Noah, I know you're busy. But stop what you're doing and build an ark. And Noah said, yes, sir. And the building of the ark saved him and saved his family. And he was glad that he stopped everything else he was doing and built the ark. Abraham, leave it all and go to a land that I will show you. And Abraham did and became the friend of God. Moses, give it up and go tell Pharaoh, let God's people go. Elisha, I know you're a wealthy farmer. I know you own a lot of property. I know you have a great big farm, but oh God, Elisha, the Elijah the prophet, just put the mantle of the prophetic over your shoulders and he hops the fence and becomes a servant and pours water upon the hands of Elijah and becomes Elisha, the mighty prophet of God. Hey, I'm preaching to somebody that God doesn't want you just to live your life down here meandering like a river that flows wherever there is least resistance. But God wants us to live a life of purpose. And he wants you to wake up. What is it that you're doing that's going to affect eternity? What is it that you're involved in today that's going to cause somebody to know Jesus? What is it that you're involved in that's going to save your kids or save your grandkids? Let me tell you something. One of the greatest ways of preaching is by example. 
Boy, I'm going to preach now for a minute. If I won't miss a fishing trip, but I'll miss going to the house of God for the slightest reason, I am preaching the wrong message to my kids. My mama taught me, sunshine, storm, whatever, you go to the house of God. She taught me that when you don't even have gas in the car, she said, children, we're going to pray because the gas gauge says empty. And I don't have any money. So we bowed our heads and we prayed. And that big old heavy metal car drove all the way to church and drove all the way back. And the needle never moved off of empty both ways. But we were taught that living for God is the most important thing of your life. And today I stand preaching the gospel in 2020 because a mom that said living for God is the most important thing you will ever do. It's more important than fun. It's more important than pleasure. It's more important than your business. It's more important than making a few more dollars. This is what counts, son. This is what counts. And she got it down into my heart. She got it down into my mind. And by the grace of God, I'm going to live for God forever. I was born to serve the Lord. And so were you. Peter, James, and John, you got quite a fishing business. Drop your nets and follow me. And they simply dropped their nets and stepped over the side of the boat and became fishers of men. I hear the Holy Ghost calling. I hear him saying, seize the moment. Go all out. You're a good man. God has made you good by his precious blood. God has made you good because of his goodness. But go all out. You were born to serve the Lord. And the night's coming when no man can work. Those hands that you've got, bless your heart, they were made to clap to the Lord and to help your brother find Jesus. Your voice was made to sing to the Lord a new song, a praise unto God, and to tell others about Jesus and to bring hope to the hopeless. That's why God gave you a voice. Anything else you use it for is okay if it's not sinful. But don't forget the mission. Those feet that you've got were made to take you to where lost souls are. Those knees that you have were made to bow in prayer. I'll never forget I was just a kid. But there was a young lady in the church, and she used to sing, and I'm not going to go to the keyboard. I could, but I'm not going to. And she'd sing this song, From the dust of the earth, my God created man. His breath made man a living soul. And God so loved the world, he gave his only son, and that's why I love him so. And she'd sing, my hands were made to help my neighbor. My eyes were made to read God's word. 
My feet were made to walk in his footsteps. My body is the temple of the Lord. I was made in his likeness, created in his image. For I was born to serve the Lord. I cannot deny him. I will always walk beside him. For I was born to serve the Lord. I would to God that that song would be etched into your mind and that you, when you go to sleep tonight, you'd be hearing that song, I was born to serve the Lord. I was born to serve the Lord. I was born. I'm not saying that you can't have a vacation. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that you can't have fun. No, no, no. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy your family and your friends. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, remember this, you are born to serve the Lord. Don't forget your mission. I know we quote this all the time, but remember the word that, that God gave to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Somebody ought to be planning right now how you're going to do your next witness to your children. You ought to be planning right now. What excuse can you come up with to get them to come to church with you? What kind of cake do you need to bake? What restaurant do you need to take them to? I don't care what it takes. I don't care if you have to offer. I don't care if you have to bribe them. Save them. God has a much higher purpose for your life. Oh, wow. I'm wrapping this up. Believe it or not, you're doing so well. Keep looking at me. Don't watch the kids. Listen. I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth and now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change for you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. To be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read, when your life's actions, with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about you and about how you lived your dash? Jesus said, 
To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. I was thinking about you, of course, when I was sitting at the desk and prayerfully preparing for this morning. And I thought, what if someone hadn't told me about Jesus? Now, I'm nobody. I'm just a, a man that's been called of God. But I think if somebody hadn't told me about Jesus, some of you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. It would have had a ripple effect. What if somebody hadn't told me about Jesus? And I said, okay, I'm not going to be a composer. I'm not going to be a musician. I'm going to be a preacher. And it changed the course of my life. But if I had just, if no one had ever told me, how would that affect some of you? What if someone hadn't told me about Jesus? What if someone hadn't told me about Him? Then my soul would still be unhappy all alone and still lost in sin how sad it would be not to know that the king had riches beyond the saddest of all would be not to know that one of his heirs was me. That's why I'm glad someone told me about Jesus. I'm so glad someone told me about Him. For today, my soul is so happy. All because someone told me of him. Now, I know that there's someone in this building and also online that God has a special purpose for your life. Somebody just recently realized that. And every time you've come to this church, you've heard and you've felt something.
And God's saying, will you follow me? It might cost you everything, but will you follow me? Would you be involved in the mission I created you to do? You were born to serve the Lord. And if you'll say yes to God, here's what I promise. You'll be the happiest person that ever lived. But you can have everything this world has to offer. And if you don't get on to your mission, you're going to die one discouraged and frustrated person. So would you bow your heads with me? I feel like God's calling to someone again on this Sunday morning. We've got people that's being baptized tonight, but they're not the only ones that ought to be baptized in Jesus' name. There ought to be some more that say, God, I'll be happy to bear your name in baptism. I know that God is calling you right now. Is there anyone that would say, God, I want to serve you now for the rest of my life. I want to be involved in what you want me to be involved. And I don't want to be involved in the things that you don't want me to be involved in. Is there anybody in this house that without waiting to see what anybody else is going to do, keep your eyes closed. You'd lift your hand and say, God, I'm volunteering for service. Here I am. Here I am, Jesus. I want to accomplish the mission that you have for me. Please don't let me come to the end of life. And all I did was be like a dog chasing its tail, never really going anywhere, just round and around and around. But God, today I hear the call of God. Please let me tell you one more story before I quit. A farmer had found a young eaglet. It had a bruised or broken wing and he caught it and he put it into the chicken yard. Now the chicken yard had fencing around it that they used for chickens, chicken wire, no top. And as that young eaglet began to grow, it ate the chicken feed that was placed out on the, the ground. That eagle, its wing healed and it grow, grew into a young mature eagle, but it never tried one time to fly any higher than a chicken would fly. Until one day, way up high in the sky, 
another wild eagle let out a scream. The chickens didn't pay any attention, but the young eagle looked up. And with eagle vision, he saw that, that mature eagle calling from the altitudes. And suddenly he leaped and he began to flap his mighty wings. And he began to go higher and higher above the chicken coop, up into the thermals. And he realized who he was. I'm preaching to somebody the devil would like for you to spend your time scratching in the chicken coop. But you are an eagle. There's many people who are going to be saved because of you. Many people are going to escape hell because of you. The devil doesn't want you to know who you are. But God loves you. Is there anybody here that would say, Here I am, Lord, here I am. Would you rise with me? I give all myself to you. night comes when no man can work but here I am Lord here I am just let your spirit Somebody feels the call of God right now. Oh, here I am. Who do you know that you can share your faith? Nobody else has the influence that you have. I give all myself. say, Lord, here I am. Don't be one of those people who almost, almost gave your life to God. Young man, young lady, eternity's coming quicker than you think it is. And only what you do for Christ will last Everything else is going to burn. But what you do for Christ, that's what is going to last. Just let your spirit move. I'm going to invite those. You've got plenty of room to social distance and come forward. Come on. Here I am. 